All right. What I want to talk about today are distractions that keep us from knowing God. If I ask you to write me a list of distractions that would keep you from knowing God better, you could probably write me a list a mile long of things, you know, I mean, especially in our society. If you think about, oh my goodness, you see people communicating, maybe young people, not putting young people down, but don't take it personally. Heather and Cord, but, <laughs> but you see, like, in, in the same room texting each other, talking by, you know, you could just turn and talk to one another, but, okay, distractions. All right. Someone said, if the devil can't get at you any other way, he will simply waste your time. Now, I've, I've met a few people that I guess we're good at wasting time. Not many. You know, sometimes you'll hear, you'll you ask a person, what are you doing? Well, oh, just wasting time. Or killing time. That's, that's, I hate that one. I'm killing time. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, Ansel used to tell about when she worked at the farm, there was, a, I think, a woman that had come by and didn't want anything, but just, just I guess, wanted to talk. And, and of course, she's busy. And, and finally, she got to the point where she said, well, forget this. You know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And if you're going to talk, you're going to have to follow me through the fields, to, you know, feed the horses, all that. And eventually, that person quit coming around because she couldn't keep up with you or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I've, I've experienced that. People come by when we first built our home in Penhook, and they didn't want anything. It's just like, it's like, why are you here? What do you want? You need some food? You need some money? You want this? You know, let me give that to you, and, I, and let me give that to you, and you get out of here. But they didn't want anything. And uh, it just irked me that, that, that there are some people who seem to like to just chew the fat and waste time. Okay, distractions. Now, this story I'm going to read to you, it was sent to me in 1999, so it's old, and I think it was before iPads and messaging and text messaging and all this, because it refers to TVs, VCRs, and cassette tapes. <laughs> Who has them? Cassettes, you know, what is that? But listen closely to this story. Okay, distractions. We're talking about distractions that keep you from knowing God. All right, Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to his evil demons, he said, we can't keep the Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't keep them from uh, conservative values, but we can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate, abiding experience in Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church. Let them have their conservative lifestyle, but still their time. So they can't gain a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior. Keep them from that vital connection throughout their day. Okay, how are we going to do this, shouted the demons. All right, here's the advice. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life. Invent unnumbered schemes to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them to spend, 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 then borrow, borrow, borrow. Convince their wives to go to work and their husbands to work six or seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, so they can afford their lifestyle. And see, it's all about lifestyle. I gotta afford my lifestyle. Keep them from spending time with their children 
As their family fragments, soon their home will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so they cannot hear that still, small voice. Man, that's a powerful statement. Just overstimulate their minds so they can't hear it. That still, small voice. Ah, lost my place. All right. Entice them to play the radio, cassettes, or CD players, wherever they drive. Keep the TV, VCR, and their CDs going continually in their homes. And see to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays music constantly. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Boy, is that ever true? You go to a restaurant, you cannot even enjoy it anymore. It's blast. I mean, every... You know, I don't watch TV, but if I'm in a restaurant where there are TVs, I watch it. It's just I can't drag my, you know, I guess it's like something I'm missing, you know, I don't, because I don't watch TV at home. But if they're on, I'm trying to watch all 40 of them at one time. <laughs> yeah. uh, fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail, sweepstakes, mail order, catalogs, and every kind of newsletter promotional offering free products and services, empty promises and false hope. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return home from their vacation exhausted, disquieted, and unprepared for the coming week. Don't let them go out in nature. I thought that was interesting. Don't, don't keep them away from nature. Keep them in the shopping malls. Keep them in, keep them in the big cities, town, whatever. Send them to amusement parks, shopping events, concerts, and movies instead. When they meet for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so they leave with troubled conscience and unsettled emotions. Let them be involved in sharing the gospel, but crowd their lives with so many good causes that they have no time to seek power from Christ. Soon they will be working on their own strength sacrificing their health and family for the good of the cause. I thought that was interesting, you know, crowd their lives with so many good causes. You know, there, there are a lot of good causes out there. And uh, I started, when I first, God first called me, I started supporting a few good causes that would, but then I've got 10,000 pieces of letters support, want me to support a good cause, you know. And you, you can just, you know, I can't give all my money away for good causes, but, you know, it can, it can drive you crazy. Uh, it was quite a, con a convention. In the end, and the evil demons were eagerly to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get busy, 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 and rush here and there. It concludes by saying, be still and know that I am God. Have you taken the time to listen to God lately? So, how Satan gets us to waste our time. I think one of the ways is, you know, busy, busy, busy with meaningless, irrelevant, non-productive things. You know, you can be busy, busy, busy and still wasting your time. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're, you're not wasting your time. He gets us busy with meaningless, irrelevant, non-productive things. If what you are doing doesn't, one, make you money, two, doesn't lift someone's spirit, doesn't correct, doesn't teach someone a better way, doesn't encourage another, doesn't make the world a better place, 
or at least look better, you may be busy, busy, busy with non-productive, irrelevant things. You know, I, there's a, where I live, there's a home, and I don't know if this guy, I drive by it and, it, and I don't know why this bothers me, but it's like the guy is a hoarder or something. I've never seen so much junk in a front yard in my life. I want to stop there and clean it up, I really do. But he'd, I'm sure he'd get offended if I did that. But, and I, I sometimes wonder if you were to interview people like that, you might find out that they're busy, busy, busy with meaningless, irrelevant, non-productive things. Yeah. Now, it's true we all need a break from time to time. We need time for ourselves. I'm not, you know, that, that's true. Uh, sometimes I think we need purposeful distractions. Because if you serve and you're working all the time, sometimes you need a break from yourself. A hobby, a goal, it could be painting, it could be knitting, something that just sort of gets your mind off what you're always doing. And it, it's, it nourishes your spirit when you do that. You, I'm not saying, you know, you do have to think about, you do have to take time for yourselves. I built, on, one time I built, I painted on the inside of my garage a Stargate. And it was the most meaningless thing I've ever done in my life. You know what I mean? It was like, why did I do that? But it, was, it nourished my spirit. It lifted my spirit because it was such a joy to do. So there are hobbies that I do. There are things that I do that nourishes just to get me away from everything else that I do. Because you can get burnt out if you're always doing and serving and working and whatever. How to be a productive servant of God. You know, when, when I, uh, I pasted this in my Bible about 20 years ago. I want you to look at this one. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. It's a talking about the ministry, it's talking about evangelism, but how to be a productive servant. And I want to apply it to just our everyday lives. Because I think there's some good instructions here. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1, Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, I charge thee therefore by God and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears, itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. So I looked at it and I thought, okay, how to be productive in life? Your job, child rearing, friends you meet, your marriage, how to have a productive marriage. You know, marriage, I'm convinced that God puts people together who reveal each other's blind side. That's called, you know, a husband and a wife. I mean, that's the reason God has put you together to see, to reveal your blinds, because we all have a blind side. And so my wife comes along and, and reveals my blind side that I can't see, and vice versa. Of course, we don't like that. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, this verse, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, I wanna, instead of preach the gospel, I think this is something that we can do every day. I'm just going to say teach. Teach. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. It's not just correcting, it's exhorting one another with all long-suffering and doctrine. If you use every opportunity you have to do this, you can be a highly productive person. 
uh, live a highly productive life. And it's not just teaching doctrine. It's not just teaching the Word of God. You know, in our work, we have this young guy that works with us, and I found it's important to tell him why we do things. You know, it's, it's one thing just they do this, and they do it. But for him, because he's sort of, I'm not sure how to explain him, but it helps if I say, now this is the reason we're, we're doing this, this way. It helps him to understand. Okay, this is why we're, we're having to do this this way, to lay this rock that way or whatever. All right, I'm looking at the great distractions in our lives that keep us from knowing God. The first one is, is life. <laughs> life can be a distraction, you know. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. That's my favorite. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Favorite, yeah. Do you see a connection with being still and knowing God? Yeah, there is. I mean, it's, it's unavoidable. If you're going to know God, you're busy, 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 and you're just running a rat race. No. If you're going to know God, be still. Be still. Just for a moment. You know, let's, let's start with just a few minutes. <laughs> but be still. Things that keep us from knowing God. All right. Number one, the world. 1 John 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, there are things about this world that, that we can love. I love a beautiful sunset. I love, like this morning, the soft rain coming down and thinking about the burnt up yards around here, the brown grass, and how that, that's just like a thirsty man. It's drinking in the water. You know, I, I love the rain. I love smells. You know, that's, a, that's a Freeman characteristic there, to, to smell everything. You, you know. Smell. You know, yeah. There's smell. Taste of food I love. You know, just, uh, you know you love, giving and receiving love, family, truth. You know, these are things that we love. Work and being productive. You know, hobbies um, that you may have. There's things that we love. The things that God has created is the things that, you know, that we love. But when it says love not the world, it's talking about the worldly system that, that man has created. Don't love that. Don't love that. Because that worldly system is going to end. Christ is going to return and put an end to, the, to man trying to govern man. Man living by the law. It says if it feels good, I'm going to do it. That's coming to an end. And the kingdom of God is going to be established on this earth. So the worldly system is going, man's worldly system is going, don't, don't love that. And it goes on to explain, 1 John 2 and verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. So let's, look, let's break this down. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye. You know, I, found, I learned a valuable lesson just recently. I, was, I found myself getting addicted to marketplace Facebook. You know, I would look at stuff and I'd think, I'd like to have that boat. I'd like to have that car. I'd like to have that motorcycle. I'd like to have that piece of junk that guy's selling, you know, that old <laughs> antique right there. I'd like to have, you know, and I just found myself being discontented, totally discontented with my life. And I, I made the connection. It's what I've been feeding my mind on. I've been feeding and feeding on marketplace Facebook. And <laughs> it made me miserable, temporarily until I identified it. 
my mother used to keep a couple of kids, babysit kids, and I think it was around Christmas time, and, and they were going to, through the Sears and Roebuck, uh, Sears, you know, big thick catalog my mother had, J.C. Penney's and Sears, and, and, and one, of them, uh, one of them sort of stuttered a little bit, and, and, and one was going through it and says, you know, talking about Christmas, he said, I'm, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that, and the other one couldn't keep up, and he just said, me too, me too, me too, me too, you know. And, and they were just talking about all the things they're going to get. But, but we're sort of like that, you know. It's just all the things that, that we think we want. And, and then it says the pride of life. And I, I thought, what is the pride of life? And I looked it up in about seven different translations. One says the vainglory of life. Another one said being too proud of what we have. Another one said our selfish desires and our desires to have everything we see. Pride of life. The boasting of life was another translation. Everything in the world that people are so proud of. You know what a lot of people are proud of? Themselves. I, I was getting my teeth worked on at the dentist, and I picked up a Rolling Stones magazine. Now, why? A bunch of liberal nitwits that write that, I guarantee you that. But I was looking through that, and there were these models male models and female models, and I don't know what they were, they were not selling anything, they were just pictures. <laughs> and they just reek with pride, just look at me, I am so impressed with myself. And it's just it's enough to turn your stomach almost, I mean it's just pride, you know, the pride of self, being impressed with self. Anyway, it says, and the world passes away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Man, that's powerful. He that doeth the will of God will abide forever. So be still. And know that the world is going to pass away. You're going to pass away. You know, you know what's it? Well, I don't know how interesting it is. But when you're gone, the birds will still be singing. The child, you know, the, 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 the baby's laughter will be just as precious. The smell of a rose will still smell just as sweet, but you won't be there to experience it. That, that's, that's reality in all its ugliness right there. That, I mean that, and that in, its, in and of itself should cause us to be still and to say, wait a minute, I'm running this rat race. Stop for a moment. And let me just be still and think about God. Think about where I'm going. Think about my age. You know, think about, okay, how much time do we have left? Okay, the great, the great distractions. Number two can be your job. Yeah, that's right, your job. Now, you know, Jesus said you cannot serve God in wealth and uh, money, whatever, wealth. But you know what? I, I've never, th there are some people that fit into that category. They work, work, work to make money, money, money to buy more things. That doesn't describe me. I, I like money, but I don't love it. Um, but what I'm saying is, sometimes it's not about money. Often it's, you cannot walk away from the appeal of the word, the challenge, uh, even if there's no money involved. You know, it, it's, it, I think about the evangelistic work that I do. Is that really in the Bible? I can't seem to walk away from it. And I can guarantee you it's not about, about the money. I'm not making any money. Off it. I mean, <laughs> but I, I can't seem to say stop it. But sometimes it's the, it's the creativity of it. 
And of course, if God has put a call on your heart, then you have to, you have to do what he says. But, and that plays in too. I learned a long time ago that, you know, someone said that one of the most blessed things that you can do is love, what love your work. Because you've got to do it a large part of your life, you know, work. And you should love your work. And it was about 20 years ago, I started, to, I started hating my work, you know, masonry work. Still don't like it, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm going to get out of this nonsense, and I'm going to do something I love. And it was building gazebos. I, I'm good at woodworking, and the creativity of a new design was really, I, I love that. And I found I would go to bed at night, and I would build those things in my mind. <laughs> and I learned, you know, it's not so much a good thing to love your, your work, because that's all you will do. You, you'll do it at, at night while you're sleeping. So, uh, so it might be a good thing that one doesn't absolutely love his work. Psalms 127 and verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Man, you know, be still and know the Lord is building a house. He's building your house. And then Psalms 127 and verse 2, It is a vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And you can get to that point where it's, uh, it's up early, it's staying up late at night, and you don't even enjoy your sleep. Just, just so much. And uh, I found that to be true with when I tried to get into the gazebo business, that I just couldn't let it go. Doing a work for God can be a distraction in life. I've read about many stories of ministers who served God and yet abandoned their family, abandoned their wives because they were doing a work for God, you know, and, and yet they let, they let other issues go. And in my own life, what I found out is this, God is not really that interested in what you can do for him. He's really not that interested in what you can do for him. He's interested in you. That's what he wants to change is you. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about inviting God to Fix your plumbing at your house. You got some leaks or something, and he, and, and God comes over and he fix. You know, and, and people sometimes are like that. You know, I got this smoking addiction. I want you to fix God. I got this little problem right here, and God comes in and he begins to tear down a wing here, tear down a wing there, start building a wing, and he's building you a mansion that you didn't even ask for, and the reason is because he's going to live in it. God is concerned about you, wingtip to wingtip, you know, head to toe. It's, it's you that he wants. So, can you stop? Can you slow down? Can you be still? I found myself recently, no inspiration. I mean, just, just lacking inspiration. So I got up, got my cup of coffee, went out to my clubhouse, sat on my deck, and I just sit there for about a half hour. Looking, looking at, you know, the squirrels and the breeze blowing early in the morning, felt really good. And just by being still, being quiet, being still, I felt and was motivated by some inspiration. It started to come slowly, but just inspiration started to come back to me. I think it's so important. Okay, the great distractions in life. Minuscule task. This is what I call the small things in life. Small things. Have you ever had so many small things to do that you didn't know where to start? 
And so you said, just forget, you said, forget about all of it. I'm not doing any of it. And like a thousand little small things, and you don't know where to start. Man, that kills me. Especially when I can't get started. You know, I can't do anything. I just, it's uh, too many things, you know, small things. Luke 10 and verse 38. Familiar story. Now it came to pass. As they went, they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her, her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Notice. Now, now here, can you, can you hear God when you're super, super, super busy? Can you hear when you are never still? You never slow down. Can you hear when you have crammed 48 hours into a 24-hour period? I don't think you can hear God when you do this. Luke 10 and verse 40. But Martha has, was cumbered about with much serving and, and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, to, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha... You are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. How many small things do you let trouble you? And, and a lot of times with the small, if you really start to think about it, it's not that important, the small things, are they? If you really evaluate the small things, you think, that's not that important. Why do I think it's so important? Why have I made that small thing so big? Why, why do, you know, I got a saying, and, and, and this is what you've heard, but why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? Uh, <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is because I, I've always been one to push, push, push myself, and I've had to discipline myself to slow down. I push until I don't enjoy life, and it's no good. It's no good. So let it go. Don't sweat the small stuff. Okay. The last great distraction, and now this one, you're going to have to hear me out on this one, can be in a marriage. Okay? Now, now don't, don't get ahead of me here. <laughs> Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 32. He said, but I desire you to be without anxiety. Now, how are we going to do that? Be without anxiety. The one who is unmarried cares, cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the one who is married cares for the things of the world, how to please his wife. That's very true, is it not? That's what I care about. I mean, I care about how to please my wife. The wife and the virgin are different. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But she who is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. That's a, that, this is an absolute right here. This is an absolute of how marriage works, really. A great marriage consists of two servants. Two servants who are willing to serve one another. I think about school back when we went. I don't know if they still have this or not. Homemaking class. They taught young women how to, um, how to sew, how to cook. That's a novel idea right there, how to cook, how to boil water. That's, that's, man, this is good right here. Uh, 
Anna Teresa told me about that they would let them carry an egg around all day long, a little egg that represent a baby. And you had to be careful not to break it or let it drop. And, and your goal was to carry that egg around all day. Because you're going you're to be a mother one day. Now, all of these things is, why, why did they teach them that? Because you're, you're going to serve somebody one day. You know, it's like that song. You're going to have to serve somebody. What, I forget that guy. Uh, you're going to have to serve somebody. And, 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 and I took agriculture in school, ag class, and they taught me how to weld, uh, bend metal, mechanical work, crops. Valuable, just, just basic and valuable how to do things. How, a man, you know, a man, how does a man do that? And the reason they taught that is because you're going to have to serve somebody one day. You're going to use that to serve. But what I'm saying is we can complicate our lives where there is no time for God in a marriage. And we don't allow each other to have time for God. You know, let's say, let's say the nagging wife. You know, the husband comes home from work and, and immediately, you need to do this, you need to do that, this, 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 and got a list a mile long. You know, there's no time, you know, okay. Or the, the demanding husband. Uh, you need to cook for him, you need to do this. And we don't allow each other time quiet time. We, we need to respect each other's quiet time to be with God. You know, you need this time together. I'm allowing you this time to be with God. And a lot of times when, we, when we've got anxiety, frustration, life is not working, the reason is, is because we have, we filled our, our lives with the world and all the things of the world, but we have not filled our lives with God. We haven't taken that quiet time to, to be with God. All right, to conclude with, 1 Kings 19 and verse 11, this is a familiar story. And he said, Elijah, God is speaking, go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks. And boy, that was some kind of wind right there, breaking rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And afterwards, after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out. So often, we look for the really big things. We want to see results immediately. And often I think we are looking and listening for God in all the wrong places. We all want to do great things, you know. But God is very subtle in his dealing with mankind. It's, it's the small, still voice that we need to hear. I think Elijah had trained himself to hear God. Because if you'll notice in this story, it says when he heard that still, small voice, he went out. He didn't go out with, when the wind took place. He didn't go out during the earthquake. He didn't go out during the fire. The wind, the earthquake, and the fire was just a distraction for Elijah. But when he heard the still small voice, that's when he went out. Man, he, he had disciplined himself to listen to God, to hear that voice. So let us train ourselves to hear from God. And let's be aware of the things, the world, your job, Minuscule tasks, small things, all the small things in life, you know. And even, even in, in a marriage, you, you, can, you can be so wrapped up 
and, and, and serving, serving, serving one another, that there's, there's very little time for God. It, that, 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 can, that also can serve as, as a distraction. And we need to respect one another's quiet time, husband and wife, in a relationship with God. So, to conclude with, be still and know God.